the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Yes, it's 11 o'clock Central African time. As usual, we have African Dialogue, where we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Thank you for joining me right here with our team. Well, today we're going to be looking at the mystery behind uh, the death of Egyptian former President Mohamed Morsi. Very interesting figure, because we know uh, that what led his passage into being president of Egypt was the fact that uh, he was uh, the first democratically elected president of Egypt, and that was after the Arab Spring. But we know that uh, his uh, uh, turn didn't last that very long. It was uh, just around only one year uh, when he actually was ousted by a military coup in uh, the year 2013. Now we know the latest was the fact that uh, his uh, death uh, came up last week uh, when he collapsed lapsed in court during a trial. Uh, State television has cited a medical source and said that Morsi died from a sudden heart attack. But what makes the whole plot very interesting is the fact that uh, the United Nations has called for an independent investigation into the death of Morsi, which has been a move that has been rebutted and uh, heavily criticized by the Egyptian government, saying the UN is politicizing the death of its first democracy elected president. Morsi had been Egypt's elected president uh, following the abdication of Hosni Mubarak in 2011 uh, after he was deposed as well. And uh, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Ahmed Tejazbai, who is a senior lecturer at the University of South Africa's Political Sciences Department. Doctor, thank you for giving us your time. Uh, Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Egypt finds itself in a very interesting situation, especially the fact that uh, uh, this figure himself was uh, not only just fighting for his life uh, in terms of uh, his uh, political career, but uh, also for the fact that now we see the fact that there seems to be a conspiracy even around his death, Doctor. Uh, Definitely. I mean, even... His supposed debt collapsing court is something that state TV has, uh, state TV in Egypt has told us. No proof has been provided in this respect. So we are led to speculate. We are led to go in the direction of uh, conspiracy theory and so on. Uh, you know, the current establishment in Egypt is known for its high level of secrecy, high high level of repression, high level of human rights violations. So um, it's it, the death of you know Egypt's first and only democratic elected president comes as no surprise, and it is no surprise that the United Nations, given Egypt's track record under the under leaders of General Abdel Fattah al Sisi, has called for an independent probe. And but uh, unfortunately, it's unlikely that the Egyptian establishment at the moment, headed by al Sisi, will comply. 
Now, before we move into that particular issue, let's look at uh, Mohamed Morsi just a little bit because he's also a very complex figure. Uh, the fact that uh, he's democratically elected doesn't necessarily make him a saint, but also we know that there's also a lot of issues around him, especially the fact that he was acquitted of, of for murder but jailed for 20 years for ordering um, the torture and detention of protesters. So a very complex complex figure that we're talking about here, Doctor? No, de- de- definitely. I mean, when he, when he came into power in 2013, he came into power in, in, into a space that was fraught with contradictions. Unfortunately, you know, I will go against the grain and argue that what happened in 2011 was not a revolution, but rather an uprising. Uh, the military establishment, which was at the apex of Egyptian politics, continued to be at the apex of the Egyptian politics, even after Morsi was elected. And it conspired against him, if I may say that, to ensure that his rule never, you know, really would last or stood a chance of lasting. And indeed, he, you know, to come to your point, he was a rather complex uh, character, and he had, and, but he had to he had to unfortunately navigate a rather complex terrain, and he he made many mistakes, you know, along the way. You know, whilst he was acquitted for you know for the for this on trumped up charges, he was uh, unfortunately you know jailed for other trumped up charges. You know, conspiring conspiring with Hamas, conspiring with uh, with Qatar, amongst uh, uh, you know amongst others. But in my opinion, he was unfortunately set up for failure. You know, mm. uh, you know they walk out by the liberals, leftists, Mubarak era, era politicians, and so on. And he was not really given much chance of success. So this complexity, in my opinion, arises from the fact that you know the complex nature of Egyptian politics, even before the revolution, was compounded mm. after the the uprising rather was compounded after the uprising and he was unfortunately left no chance to succeed and the complication is something that you highlight furthering the these charges against him because we know that uh, the ex-president of uh, egypt uh, spent around uh, six years in prison uh, really uh, trying to answer this long call of charges uh, i know they range uh, from uh, stealing poultry and cattle and uh, some of them are what you've highlighted the fact that uh, around issues of of uh, intimidation of uh, protesters. So uh, how does this particular fact that he died during this court case make this more of a conspiracy theory, especially looking at his death? Uh, You you know, these these conspiracy theories are unfortunately going to continue, as I said, from the outset. And, 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 you know, the proof that the burden of proof that uh, unfortunately in Egyptian uh, justice system is the burden of proof relays with the with with the defendant unfortunately mm-hmm. and it goes against you know some of the basic uh, tenets of justice around the world. I mean, Amnesty International has has uh, regarded uh, Egypt's justice system as woefully broken and devoid of even the basic levels of human rights and so on. So, you know, we are unfortunately left to to come up, if I can put conspiracy theories, because we are not given any proof, for example, A, that he even died in court, 
uh, be that you know that he he supposedly suffered a heart attack because one what we do know is that he had a history of for example liver and kidney disease he was a diabetic a type 1 diabetic who requires insulin on a regular basis and unfortunately in my opinion what the egyptian establishment didn't want to do was to execute him they didn't want to execute him but rather to give him a slow death uh, the, the panel, the, there was a panel of uh, a British panel, mm. which uh, I can't remember the name right now, which, regard, which stated, I think, 2018, that he will sooner rather than later, it's called the detention review panel, sooner the, uh, rather than later suffer a premature, premature death. Mm-hmm. Their words, not mine. Because he was receiving inadequate medical care, inadequate management of his diabetes, and inadequate management of his liver disease. So it was a form of slow death. He wa- it was only a matter of when and not if he will die. In- uh, and the establishment wanted the slow death as opposed to executing, which would have created a sort of martyr and would have created another uprising. Uh, so conspiracy theories, unfortunately, will continue given the complex nature of Egypt, given the secretive nature of Egyptian society under Morsi, which is woefully undemocratic, uh, woefully, with human rights record is woeful at, at best. Uh, and, uh, you know, Egypt at the moment uh, is, is on a slippery slope mm-hmm. to conditions that some have regarded that they're even worse than they were under uh, its Okay, let me take a quick break there. Uh, that's the voice there of Dr. Ahmed Jusbai, who is a senior lecturer at the University of South Africa's Political Sciences Department. We're trying to break down uh, the death of uh, the former president of, Ni- of, of Egypt. I keep saying Nigeria, I don't know why. But of Egypt, Mohamed Morsi, who passed away last week. And uh, I want to look at also how this death actually creates a deepening in terms of uh, the political crisis within Egypt. We know that uh, uh, he was not just in trial alone, but alongside 14 senior figures from the Islamist Muslim Brotherhood movement. How does that deepen the tensions within uh, the uh, political spectrum in Egypt? We'll look at that uh, with uh, Dr. Ahmed and that we'll do after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovu and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices 
every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Twenty minutes past eleven o'clock Central African time. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. Today, this is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday we broaden uh, the context of what's happening on the African continent. Thank you for joining me on our various platforms. Remember, online uh, you can stream us live from Monday to Sunday daily on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. Another way that you can get hold of us, especially if you're listening to us on the SADC region. I'm told that in some parts of uh, uh, West Africa there's access to DSTV channel 802 on the audio bouquet. So if uh, you're listening to us on that particular platform, thank you for joining us uh, there as well. As uh, you've been listening to, we've been speaking to Dr. Ahmed Jusbai, who is uh, from the University of South Africa. He's a senior lecturer in uh, the university's political science Department. Now we're being joined by Dr. Shingai Mutizo Mangiza, a big friend of ours here on Channel Africa. He's joining us from the Western Cape University's Political Sciences Department. Uh, Dr. Shingai, thank you for giving us your time as well. No, thank you so much, Benjamin. Uh, Thank you for allowing us to hijack you this morning and giving us uh, your thoughts on this particular matter. And I've been speaking around uh, doc- with Dr. Ahmed Jasbai around um, Mohamed Morsi's death, uh, but also around the, the, the issues of his trial in itself. But what makes his death more interesting was the fact that uh, his trial was not just uh, about him isolated alone, but was also linked to his uh, leadership within the frame work of the Islamist Muslim Brotherhood movement because he was not on trial alone but with other senior figures within that movement. His death, does it actually create more fragmentation or complications in the country's political space? Yes, I think to a large extent it is actually probably going to polarize the political space. Um, I think generally if you can recall Benjamin there was a recent report that was released by Amnesty International, actually in regards to his treatment uh, in prison. Uh, and there was, you know, uh, we know that for a long time, the, the late President Morsi uh, had been ill. He had been suffering from complications of diabetes. And so there was a general sense of concern that his treatment at the hands of the state uh, was actually not, you know, he was not being well treated, not well taken care of. And this, I think, was actually filtering uh, out within the public domain slowly. So I think to a large extent, I mean, they may, you know, his death possibly uh, may be viewed amongst the Egyptians as not being, that there may have been an element of foul play. And if not foul play, uh, you know, this idea that certainly, you know, um, the conditions under which he was being detained uh, were inconducive and they, those may have contributed to his death. So I think it's likely to exacerbate, um, you know, polarize the political space. You must also not forget that, remember, he was Egypt's first elected president, right? Um, there hasn't been an elected president as such, you know, uh, you know, democratically elected president as such. I mean, of course, you know, of course, you've had the regime of uh, Abdel Gamal Nasser, you've had the regime of um, 
and was said that through to Hosni Mubarak. And of course, there were elections, but of course, the perception was, of course, that these were, this was a heavily controlled and you know secured political environment whereby open competition or competitive elections were not really allowed to take place, uh, given the you know the broader military regime that you know demarcated. So I think he we must not underscore that he was a popular figure. Of course, he may have been elected at a time where there was great turmoil. Uh, you know, he came to power, you know, off the back of the Arab Spring, uh, you know, and so, of course, you know, we have to obviously account to a, certain effect, to a certain extent that some of his popularity may be a result of the euphoria. But I think, broadly speaking, uh, if you look uh the fact that the, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, against other parties that would be more established within the political space, the fact that his party and he in particular uh, succeeded, I think that speaks a lot to his popularity. So I do feel that it will lead to, you know, uh, you know, a greater amount of polarization, at least uh, within the, you know, uh, within the mm. broader Egyptian body politic. Mm. Doctor, just by, you know, it's very interesting to see just how uh, the Arab Spring was this big celebration of kind of a people-centric movement that uh, was... Uh, celebrated during the time of its happening and now we've seen uh, kind of a reversal through this particular process and uh, especially the fact that uh, Morsi was seen to be the first democratically elected president in Egypt. Does his death actually show the the reversal of uh, that particular moment in history uh, in, in the Arab world? Oh yeah, uh, Benjamin, so. most definitely. I mean, whilst, you know, the erstwhile ouster of Tunisia strongman, you know, caused some regional ripples, what happened in Egypt was earth-shattering. Uh, and it was unexpected. And unfortunately, it was something which local local and international, uh, nation, uh, you know, regional and international countries didn't expect. And I found it will uh, will suffer found that the geopolitical and geostrategic uh you know policies in the region will suffer and mm. ma- ma- many acted quite quickly to neutralize the muslim brotherhood and unfortunately it was neutralized within a year of coming to power he was overthrown in a military coup and what we see now has been an effective overturn of the arab spring uh, we also see that that is why countries, for example, in Sudan at the moment, protesters are demanding, you know, the overthrow of the military establishment. In Algeria as well, protesters are demanding the, uh, the removal of the military establishment because they understood that what happened in Egypt was that President Morsi came to the country, but fu- the fundamentals of Egyptian politics remained the same. The Egypt still, uh, sorry, the military still was at the apex of Egyptian politics. And we've seen an effective reversal. I mean, as I stated earlier, uh, the current president, General Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, is, in my opinion, even worse than uh, Morsi. So Egypt finds itself at at a point in which it sees no viable return to to its brief flirtation with democracy. And unfortunately, uh, with... With Sisi's election in inverted commas this year, uh, and his election and him winning the referendum to increase his term, I think it is until 2031, as well as giving vast executive powers, what we will see, continue to see in Egypt is a regression of any viable return to democracy.
Yeah, um, uh, Dr. Shinga, I, I heard you wanted to respond to that as well, to that question that I just uh, posed to uh, Dr. Yasbai. Yes, I, I think uh, pretty much uh, just to kind of reiterate what Dr. Rosario was saying, I think, yes, we have to also understand, um, you know, what the, the broader implications of, uh, you know, uh, the late President Morsi's death is. Remember that, uh, you know, there was, this was happening at a time where, you know, there was great upheaval within the region. Um, a lot of regional dynamics were beginning to come in flux. We have to also understand that, you know, in, in the context of the fact that, um President Morsi and what he represented. Remember, of course, as we see, the current Egyptian regime is very closely aligned to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates. And, uh, of course, we know that um, President Morsi had been, you know, you know, trying to establish or warm relations with Iran, uh, with Turkey. Um, so, again, like I'm saying, we have to kind of understand it within his death and his leadership as, you know, as part of that broader, you know, broader, broader regional dynamics. Uh, that were taking place. Of course, uh, you know, Turkey has been a country that's been on the ascendance. Uh, its influence has been growing. Uh, Iran, of course, uh, is seen to be growing. Its influence has been growing. In fact, if we look, uh, you know, at what's happening mm. in the war in Yemen, for mm. instance, mm. can begin to understand that it's precisely at the heart of this whole thing. Now, of course, Egypt, as you can understand historically, uh, has always been a state or a nation of geostrategic importance. Mm. I mean, the Suez Canal has always been quite important. But again, also just symbolically, what Egypt has always represented. Remember, the notion of pan-Arab identity was mm. actually first forged by the, you know, the late President Nasser. And so, I think in many ways, um, the positionality of Egypt, you know, has kind of declined to a great extent. And just to reiterate what uh, you know, my colleague was saying there, the fact that you know, since the Arab Spring, you know, this was now a mo- an opportune moment for kind of Egypt to kind of, you know, reclaim you know its former glory, you know, its position. Now I think that um, not that now that he has passed on, and uh, you know, there's a certain amount of uncertainty uh, that is there. You know, I think it it has done a lot to you know to, to reverse you know those gains and. Um, I think, as, as you were saying, you know, Egypt is what we could call a praetorian regime. Mm. In other words, it's a regime where the military uh, acts as the final arbiter in politics. So the military has, a, you know, a preeminent position in not just the political sphere, in the economy, and also to an extent in the social sphere in terms of how they regulate religious uh, issues and things like that. So my colleague is quite right that mm. until the regime itself... You know the you know until you know you have this um, regime change and not simply just you know leadership change sure. just in the case of just holding him back but until you have the entire apparatus sort of being transformed then I don't see that um, you know the, you know the, the gains that were made you know albeit briefly during the Arab Spring spring could be you know could sustain or be reintroduced. That's Dr. Shingai Mutizwa Mangiza, who is uh, joining us uh, all the way from Cape Town at the Western Cape University's Political Sciences Department. And uh, not far from where we are in our Johannesburg studios, uh, uh, just uh, uh, another city not uh, so distant from us in Pretoria. We've got Dr. Ahmed Jusbai, who's uh, a senior lecturer at uh, the Political Sciences Department at the University of South Africa. I think you both 
both brought in very important points that we can look at after this break, especially the fact that this death is not just a death, but also pinpoints a kind of uh, some of uh, the uh, power dynamics internationally, especially the fact that, uh, as you've highlighted there, uh, Dr. Uh, Shingai, the fact that uh, Iran is very tied to Egypt politically, and we know that uh, President Donald Trump uh, has focused on the crisis in Iran, and his, his administration has made it clear that autocratic allies like Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi uh, will not be ashamed by how they treat their dissidents. So we'll, we'll look at that. How does this power battle play itself out, especially when we look at sometimes how the United States can be muted when it comes to uh, the Egyptian uh, situation. Uh, but we're going to take a break before we do that. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity with Dr. Amalea Gones malka every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. I'm an actress. I'm a motivational speaker, born with albinism. Um, the nurse first asked my mother, is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happened now. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following time, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time, Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report. An enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Indeed, you are listening to Channel Africa. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama, today with our African Dialogue team. And uh, today we're breaking down uh, the death of uh, Egyptian uh, former President Mohamed Morsi. And as we've mentioned, that this death is not one that can be seen as an isolated issue, but is also linked to democratic processes in Africa. And we know that Egypt is a very also interesting country because uh, many see it as uh, uh, an uh, 
country that is divided when it comes to its uh, even notions of identity with uh, the Arab world and Africa. And even when it comes to the death of uh, former President Mohamed Morsi, we've seen a very muted response from an African viewpoint. We haven't heard much of a response from even African leaders. And also the Arab world has been very, very careful on how it speaks on this particular matter. And earlier on, we were speaking about how this also uh, has been something that's seen as a geopolitical uh, theme in terms of how this actually, this death can impact the relations um, uh, in terms of the geopolitics of the world. Dr. Ahmed, what are your thoughts on, on that particular issue, that this death is not something to be seen as an isolated issue? It's linked to democracy. It's also linked to governance and also um, legal processes that are followed on the African continent. The fact that this was a man who was in prison for so many years and uh, still there was an uncertainty of his fate even uh, even after his death, there's still that uncertainty of why he was imprisoned. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, Dr. Morrissey, um, and unfortunately, as we always say, you know, it's become a bit of cliche that he was the only democratically elected president of Egypt, and that in itself is a quite a huge statement. But coming to your point, uh, you know, unfortunately the AU has been quite muted on this matter. Uh, although it recently suspended Sudan, uh, ironically it has done nothing to Egypt. Perhaps, uh, and most important on the issue is that Egypt's President General Fatal Sisi is currently the 2019 chair of, uh, of, of the African Union, which is quite a contradiction because you know, he is someone being accused of flagrant violation of, you know, of the EU's own principles. And he came to power you know, uh, uh, during the 2013 coup. How the AU has him as its chair baffles me because part of the AU rules on sanctions that govern any unconstitutional change of government is that those engineering the change should not contest any elections that follow. So CC orchestrated his own election into the presidency and violated the African Union's uh, charter. And now in 2019 we see him as the as the chair of the African Union, which which again, which is why the African Union is unfortunately unable to act on, on, on this matter. And if we look at you know the larger uh, you know the larger issues here at play, uh, you know the Egypt is a major ally of the United States uh, in, in the Arab world, and the United States has has a long policy of you know tolerance towards Arab dictators in the region, as long as they adhere to its geopolitical and geostrategic endeavors for the region. So, you know, largely what we see going on in Egypt at the moment is allowed to happen because of Egypt's importance to, for example, apartheid Israel, the United States, uh, and, and, and Europe. The only countries that have spoken out against uh, Morsi's murder has been Turkey, Qatar, and Egypt, which the first two, Turkey and Qatar, are you know Muslim Brotherhood aligned, so which is why they're spoken out, um, and uh, and Iran because he did show a bit of a rapprochement towards Iran, which is against the general Arab policy of trying to isolate Iran. So what we see in the region is unfortunately, you know, Egypt is is a pawn if I can put it the way, for, for larger 
geopolitical and geostrategic uh, endeavors mm-hmm. in the region. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there, Dr. Shigai, on, on that particular matter? I want to, you to also elaborate on some of these geopolitical matters. Well, that, that is actually correct. I think it does be, you know, it is rather ironic, the fact that you do have Egypt that is currently chairing the, you know, the, the African Union at this moment. And, you know, uh, as my colleague has said, you have a situation where, you know, following the events in Sudan, the, you know, the, the deposure of um, uh, former President al-Bashir and the subsequent suspension of Sudan. And then on the flip side, you have the very same, uh, you know, you, you have the death of President Morsi and then you, do, you have this muted silence on it. It does speak, I guess, to, you know, uh, if, you, if you will, you know, if you want to say double standards, I suppose, to an extent, or rather serious deep-seated mm. contradictions within, um, at least within as far as the African, uh, you know, the African Union is concerned. Um, we have in here in the African Union what is known as the Malabo Protocol, which is essentially supposed to uphold human rights. Now, in this case, of course, one of the things that would have been called for, particularly you know, considering the fact that uh, you're dealing with a former head of state, this idea of due process, uh, we do know that, of course, he had been accused of being, having been party to inciting, uh, you know, some riots and violence that broke out uh, in, I think it was 2012 or so, I may, be, I may be wrong, but, and he is being accused of that, the deaths that resulted as a result of this, uh, you know, protests that were, you know, uh, against this regime in regards to rising inflation, prices, etc. Um, but the idea is that he has been kind of deprived of this due process. There has been this silence uh, from the African Union. Um, they have not really come out to pronounce it. Perhaps maybe not mm. sort of, uh, you, know, you know, put uh, Egypt in an embarrassing position, I suppose, given that the chair is uh, President Fatah al-Sisi mm. at the moment. But... Generally speaking, I think it is, um, you know, I, I think it is actually lamentable the fact that there's been, you know, no public outcry uh, in regards to this. I mean, particularly as a continent, we are seeking to try and avoid unconstitutional changes mm-hmm. of government. We're trying to promote human rights. And again, we have all the initiatives such as Silence the Gun, you know, mm-hmm. Silence the Gun initiative for 2020, again, which is supposed to introduce you know, the end of, you know, an end towards violent conflicts, the end towards political instability and that sort of thing. But the fact that we still have instances like this and seemingly not much, uh, you know, beyond, you know, the occasional um, you know, comments you know, uh, you know, outside of the continent, you know, I think it is kind of, as I said, it is uh, quite lamentable. But I think it's all, again, as you said, we cannot kind of divorce um, President Morsi's death from the broader regional dynamics, as mm-hmm. we spoke, we spoke about. Um, again, we, you know, with the, you know, the emergence, uh, you know, you know, the the, al- the realignment of the, you know, of the the U.S. under President Trump, and it's forging strong relations with Saudi Arabia. Again, the strong relations that exist now between uh, Egypt and um, uh, yeah, and Saudi Arabia as well. You know, all of these, you know, uh, speak, you know, to, you know, realignment of, you know, of interest. Mm-hmm. I think, 
in one instance, I think we would also perhaps not, be, you know, just to kind of deviate a little bit. When you look at it again in that context, we should also probably not be too surprised hmm. at the sort of muted response. I mean, if we saw the fact that, uh, if we think about what happened to the journalist Mohammed Khashoggi, and the, you know, of course there was a lot of outcry, but again, the position of the U.S. administration in this regard, it, you know, I mean, clearly it shows you that, uh, you know, there are instances whereby strategic interests or strategic alliances tend to trump, you know, um, more normative issues like such as human rights mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think, as I said, to understand it also in, in terms of the, you know, the, the locus of broader international politics. Mm. Well, uh, it's very interesting in terms of this particular death. Uh, does it actually spell out uh, uh, a new form of martyrdom that could inspire maybe a new form of uprising? Or is it actually a death that actually symbolizes uh, a death of an era uh, that uh, was envisaged post uh, the uprising and it it poses those kind of questions when we look at the Egyptian uh, question but thank you to our guests for giving us their time, thank you to Dr. Ahmed Yusbai who's a senior lecturer in political sciences at the University of South Africa Doctor, we always love having you on on our program so thank you for giving us your time Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you as well to Dr. Shingai Mutizo Mangiza, who was joining us uh, this morning. Uh, he is from the Department of Political Sciences at the Western Cape University. Well, the-